It's Advent at the moment. How exciting. I've been really well behaved this Advent, you know. For the first time, I think, in my life, it's the 11th day of Advent. I've only eaten 11 chocolates for my Advent calendar. <laughs> I've never been that disciplined before. Clearly, formation and training is doing something inside of me. <laughs> um, I wonder, as we're in Advent looking forward to Christmas, what is the thing that you're most looking forward to at the moment about Christmas? That's not a hypothetical question. Feel free to shout out if there's something that you're looking forward to. Going to Lee Abbey for Christmas. Oh, that is exciting. Going skiing. (laughs) Am I the only one staying in Bristol? (laughs) Sorry? It being over. Yeah. Not everybody does enjoy Christmas. Um, Anybody else? I know I'm looking forward to the food. I love the food. And being with the family, brilliant. There's so much that we can look forward to at Christmas, whether it's the presents, the food, or just being with the family, or worshipping together on Christmas morning as a church. There's much joy that in Advent we're looking forward to, anticipating as we open each door on our Advent calendar, or open ten on one day because you're hungry for chocolate, either way. Um, And today's Bible passage was given to a group of people who are also looking forward in hope and anticipation. Their hope and anticipation was that of a group of people in exile from their home and from their lands, in a desert place, away from the joy and hope of the promised land. And in this Bible passage, God promises Israel that one day that wait will be over, that God will rescue them, that it says your God will come and save you. The hope of the promised land was to come for exiled Israel. And as Christians today, we're not just hoping for Christmas Day and Christmas Turkey. We're hoping for an eternal promised land. We're waiting for the day when Jesus will return again. And when Jesus will rescue and ransom all of his people. This whole story of scripture ends with that day when Jesus comes and brings into place a new heaven and a new earth. And this passage that we're looking at today is giving hope, first of all, to Israel about the promised land that they will enter. But also it has a meaning for us as it tells us amazing things about the promised land of the new heaven and the new earth that we're all hoping for and longing for when Jesus will return and where our eyes are turned to this advent in this season of longing and waiting. And so today we're going to look at the passage and I, advise, I encourage you to have your Bibles open as we do. It's page 673 in the church Bibles because I'm going to be referring to a few of the verses from Isaiah 35. Great. And we're going to look at three different things from this passage about the joy that we're hoping and longing for. The first thing is that it is a greater joy than any joy that we have ever known. The second thing is that it is a joy that is completely free from the pain and the suffering that we know at the moment. 
And the third thing is that it is a joy for God's people. Looking in this passage, the first verse describes that the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Now, imagine for a moment the scarcity of a desert. There's very little in a desert that is cause for joy. You might find occasionally an oasis with a little bit of water or a small shrub that might provide a little bit of food, but there's not very much. But God here promises that the desert of Israel's current experience will be transformed into something green and lush. Lebanon was a mountainous place known for its great trees and the prosperity that came from that. Sharon was known for its plains that were perfect for grazing animals. So much food and bounty would be known. And so our own desert experiences, when there might be times when there's little joy. Here we're told that in the future there will be bountiful joy. And to help us think a little bit about that, and it will become clear in a moment how... I'm going to ask my volunteers here to hand round some pigs in blankets. It will become clear why, I hope. Now, as you're eating that and enjoying it, imagine how one pig in blanket compares, or two pig in blankets if you've managed to get two, compares to all the food that you might eat on Christmas Day. In the morning, when I was younger, I'd begin with all the chocolate. So much chocolate for breakfast was allowed on Christmas Day. How exciting. And then it comes to lunch. The turkey. The perfect roast potatoes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, just give me a moment while I think of the roast potatoes. <laughs> Everything that might come on a Christmas dinner. Each of us has our favourite part in that bountiful feast. But each one part of it is nothing compared to the whole dinner with the Yorkshire puddings, Brussels sprouts. Some people don't like Brussels sprouts, but in my family we always had them with bacon bits and then anything cooked with bacon bits is amazing, is it not? Think of that whole feast of Christmas and how one pig in blanket is nothing compared to the complete bountiful feast. It's not quite as big a difference as between deserts and the lushness and the bountiful land that's promised in this passage. But I just want to use this illustration to help you think that you may have some joys in this life. Each of us does. There's some amazing things in this life. But compared to the hope and the joy that will come in the new creation when Jesus returns. Any joy that we have in this life simply pales into insignificance. It's nothing compared to the joy that is to come. The joys in this life are a little foretaste, something to get you hungry and to make you look forward to it. 
It's like the little pig in blanket today has got you hopefully looking forward to Christmas dinner. Our present joys are pretty much like a barren desert compared to the joy of when Jesus will return and redeem his people. So that's the first point. The joy that's to come is greater than any joy that we have ever known in this life. The second point is that the joy that is to come will be free from pain and from suffering. In the passage that was read today, it says, starting at verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless shall sing for joy. There will be great healing, both of individuals and of the world, when Christ returns. One of my favourite passages of the Bible is right towards the end. In the second to last chapter, when it's describing the return of Jesus at the end of the book of Revelation. And it says these beautiful words. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. And here's the bit that relates particularly to pain. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. What an amazing promise. As I look forward in hope to Christmas this year, I know that for my family, like many families, the joy of Christmas is going to be twinged and tainted by a bit of sadness. For my mum, this will be the first year in her entire life where she's had Christmas Day without her mother. For me, this will be the second Christmas day without my father. The joys of this world are all too often affected by the pains of this world. It might be that you're struggling to enjoy your home because you're struggling to heat it. Or it might be one of many different pains of this world. And I could stand here and list all the different possible pains. But I don't think I really need to, because I think each of us knows what it's like to feel like joy has been robbed from us because of the pains that we're always surrounded by. And so it's such an incredible promise that in the joy of new creation, when Christ returns, there will be complete healing. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. And these two first points... I think completely change how we live in the current world. When we encounter life, if we have lots of joy now, or it feels more like a desert place, if we appear to be free of pain, or we face seemingly insurmountable pain, we know that this life is temporary. 
We know that one day Jesus will return. And that in his new creation that we long for, there will be no more pain and there will be incredible joy. And so can I encourage you that when you face the joys of this world, you don't act as if those joys are all there is. You remember that there's something greater to come. And when you face the pains of this world, you can live as somebody who has hope. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make the pain less difficult. But it means that in the midst of the pain, you can have hope to know that one day, that pain will be no more. Its days are numbered. My third point today is that it is a joy for God's people. If you look at verse 8, it's talking about a highway entering into this promised joy, into this amazing land of abundance. And it says something, which hang with me for a moment, this first bit might seem discouraging, because it says that the unclean shall not travel on it. The unclean shall not travel on the road that is entering into this land of joy. If I'm being completely honest, if there was two different camps, those that are perfect and clean, squeaky clean, having never done anything wrong, and those that have done something wrong, those that have done something that puts them into the category of being unclean, which simply, I think in this passage, just means that they're not perfect. They haven't obeyed every one of God's laws, every one of God's wishes. They haven't loved everyone perfectly. I think the reality is I'd like to be in that camp, the clean, but really I'm in this camp, the unclean. And so at first glance, I think, gosh, does that mean I'm not on the road? Does that mean that the promised land isn't for me? Well, if it was simply what I deserved, that would be the case. But if we look at verse 9, at the end of verse 9, it says, the redeemed shall walk there. And verse 10, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and singing shall flee away. The ransomed of the Lord shall return. We might be, by nature, in the unclean camp. Those that wouldn't be on this road. But... By God's grace, by his goodness, Jesus, who we celebrate coming at Christmas. Through his death and through his resurrection has redeemed us. Each of us who knows Jesus is counted in the ransom to the redeemed of the Lord. And this promise by a free gift of God, this hope and this joy becomes for us. So it's amazing that whatever you face in this life, whether this Christmas is going to be full of joy or full of sorrow, whether you have much to be glad for or little to be glad for, by God's gift, by God's grace, he has freely given us a hope to hold on to. A hope that we could never earn, but a hope that he pours more abundantly than we could ever understand. 
And so this Advent, can I encourage you to fix your eyes upon that hope, to think of the joy that is to come, and to thank God for it. Amen.